everyone thank you for joining and welcome to our week in washington this friday um i am joining today from lovely albany new york uh where i uh along with my colleague michelle mark levine we were both um presenting on various topics to the new york state gfoa really exciting um figures that they brought in about 500 people they're usually at 800 people and about 500 people were here um, and just incredible programming that occurred. We can only seek to emulate uh, to stand on the shoulders of giants, but they had some great programming that we're hoping to um, have also uh, with you all in Austin, um, obviously at the beginning of June, hopefully we're able to see you all. But what I wanted to do today um, was to share a bit of breaking news that's happened in Washington. Um, that I thought uh, would be of interest, of course, to this group. Um, and it's all um, it's all administrative. Obviously, there's not a whole lot happening in Congress right now. There is some discussion um, in the Senate about uh, Senator Manchin, Senator Sinema, possibly bringing back Build Back Better. And um, I'm not going to say I coined the term, but I certainly like using the word build back never. So I'm pessimistic that this will be something that will come to fruition, but certainly we can hope. And of course, we're talking with the right folks to make sure that they understand that um, if there is uh, advancement of a reconciliation bill, that um, that our priorities are definitely a part of that conversation. So certainly things that are important to our membership um, and trying to make sure, of course, that we are a part of that conversation. So now let's get to sort of the breaking, breaking uh, information. Um, and I say it's breaking simply because um, uh, there is, um, I am going to share my screen really quick, simply because we heard the news yesterday and it is going into effect today. Um, so it has to do with uh, the compliance and reporting for um, SLFRF program. So, as you know, um, we are required on April 30th, every single, every single entity that is a direct recipient of SLFRF funds has to file a project and expenditure report by April 30th. I know there's some utilities on here. You may be subrecipients. You may also be feeling the pain of the April 30th deadline. We are hyper-focused on having a countdown, uh, making sure our members understand their obligations. Because what we don't want, of course, is for any entities to not make that deadline and to be out of compliance with Treasury's um, requirements for the project and expenditure report. So if you see someone, if you are in a community of folks, or if you have networks of folks, we would really appreciate um, maybe dispatching our uh, newsletter that you received today to those folks, especially to the smaller entities. Um, because we need for them to be sure that they understand what their compliance and reporting requirements are by April 30th. Now, um, I've mentioned this a couple times. A lot of the key things that people need to bring to the table um, are, a, are a, um, a basic understanding of navigation of the Treasury resources and our resources. We're trying to make sure that there are resources available and suggesting, of course, that um, direct recipients of SLFRF are able to maybe bookmark the more uh, salient pages that could be compliance and reporting or other things um, that allow for them to, to, to look and make sure there are updates from time to time, look and make sure that they have the most up-to-date guidance and information from Treasury. 
We also um, are trying to make sure across the country, again, to your networks that people are asking, uniform guidance is still the law of the land when it comes to SLFRF expenditures. So you must have competitive procurement um, uh, policies and procedures around purchases used with the SLFRF fund. And that even means for funds that are in your government service category. So if you're spending from your general fund, it must be spent in compliance with uniform guidance. We have not received any um, guidance, uniform guidance waivers for expenditures in any category. And the third thing, of course, that's important that we're trying to make sure that we uh, let members know is that single audit eligibility for all, all entities on this call, you know, if you receive over $750,000 in federal funds, that you then are subject to the Single Audit Act. Um, and you ought to be talking with your uh, auditor at this point, probably if you are getting up to that threshold and or if maybe SLFRF is coming to your life and you might you might find that you're spending more than $750,000. Now, here's where the breaking news comes in. Um, now, this morning, last night, I got <laughs> I got word that there was an addendum, a third addendum to the single audit compliance supplement that was being released and is effective as of today. Um, so uh, I'm going to walk you through that. This is kind of like a Dave Letterman from your friends in Sioux City, Iowa. This is a top 10 of addendum three of what you need to know for the compliance supplement. And we'll go ahead and start at the very beginning. This is, this is again, us just reading. We haven't talked with AICPA yet. We haven't talked with other communities yet, other than National League of Cities, NACO, and you know, mayors, all of the elected organizations are aware that this is happening. But number one, uh, the addendum, the third addendum allows for some luxuries in eligibility for the single audit. So, first of all, what we're going to tell our members and membership probably in the um, newsletter next week. Number 1, if you find yourself eligible for um, this, this alternative to the single audit, make sure you just talk with your auditor. Um, one other key thing, I think, of course, of talking with your auditor is the fact that this is such fresh information, but your auditor might not know this is happening. So just make sure that you start to begin to have this conversation about your eligibility and then what does this addendum have to do with you and your responsibilities, whether it is single audit or the alternative. And the alternative specifically, if you want to use the right words, it is addendum three of the 2021 single audit compliance supplement. So it's again, it was released. It was made official this morning. Um, and so that that would be a good starting place to start having your conversation with uh, with your auditor. What it is, and I've kind of been talking around this nebulous concept. The alternative to the single audit is what's called an attestation. And this is a new concept. Well, it was a new concept for me, frankly. <laughs> no, I, a lot of things are new concepts for me in SLFRF world. But um, what's especially important about this is that this is an alternative that will be offered to direct recipients that are exempt from single audit if it was not for your spending that you're doing in SLFRF. So, right when we talk about that $750,000 threshold, suddenly, what OMB is suggesting is that we separate the two. 
we look at your federal monies that's received from other sources, and then we look at your federal money that's received from SLFRF. Those two should be separated in the form of, of, of approaching whether or not you are eligible to um, have a single audit. So the attestation is the thing that is the relief. Now, and, and, and specifically, the relief was granted, not because, you know, all of a sudden uh, OMB realized this. There was a lot of hard work behind this. AICPA, an organization called NASACT, the National Association of State Comptrollers and Treasurers, um, and a lot of big seven organizations, including us, were providing information um, that would help the OMB understand that if you're talking about a single audit for every SLFRF recipient, there just isn't enough manpower in the world to make that happen because at this point we might even be talking about 10,000 more single audits. So we were, we, you know, I think ASCPA in particular was concerned about the resources that they have to be able to conduct so many single audits. So this relief is actually a, a, um, something that we've been trying to ask for and work for. So we're really, really glad to see it. I did want to say, Specifically, inside of the Federal Register, they say this alternative, this attestation, applies to fiscal year audits beginning June 30th, 2020, and thereafter. So there's no end date, but it begins on June 30, 2020. So an important date to, to remember and have that conversation with your auditor. Now, the attestation itself, you might say, great, I, I, I know what a single audit is, but I don't know what an attestation is. The attestation could be a series of tests that an auditor does to offer an opinion on the spending of the grant. Now, in, in this particular conversation, the attestation is the auditor's opinion on a set of two activities. And those two activities are, quote unquote, activities allowed and second, unallowed versus allowable costs. So those tests will be on those two specific sets of activities, and the auditor then will focus on those and all of the other sort of requirements around single audit that are onerous for small governments are now um, relieved um, if you are eligible. Now, the attestation is optional though. If you are eligible to receive the attestation instead of the single audit, then you can go ahead and say, you know what, I object, I don't want the attestation, I want to go full bore and I'm ready to do the single audit. You certainly can do that. So they've built in that optionality. Now, you might say, okay, great, I think I get it, Emily. Now, am I eligible or what communities around me are eligible for this relief, this attestation instead of the single audit? And here are the conditions. First of all, the attestation eligibility only applies to direct recipients either from Treasury or the states receiving under $10 million in total. So that's both your first and your second tranche. And what's kind of the, the, the interesting language that they use only apply to direct recipients either from Treasury or the states simply means counties and NEUs. So counties and NEUs are eligible um, as long as they received under $10 million in total. Also, the attestation applies to direct recipients only if the federal award funds the recipient expended are less than $750,000 during the recipient's year. So $749,999 and below will not be subject to single audit 
not including the SLFRF funds. So you can spend up to $10 million in SLFRF funds in the year and not be subject to single audit. So this is kind of a, I think this is a really big deal because we were running around and talking with a lot of uh, jurisdictions and we were saying, focus on that 750 number, be careful, be just be aware of that 750 number and what that means. Well, now we have significant relief for entities up to $10 million of spend in SLFRF funds. The single audit though would apply if you spent in other federal funds over $750,000, no matter what. So you are still eligible uh, if you do spend over $750,000 in other federal funds. Last but not least, in, 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 in the 10, number 10 of 10, uniform guidance still applies to all funds of SLFRF, whether the recipient performs an attestation or a single audit. So both important things, making sure, of course, that you're focusing on, on uniform guidance because Treasury has not provided relief or suggested that they would provide relief. Um, that That is, uh, I think, a very important conversation that should be internal in every organization that is a direct recipient of SLFRF funds. So, so this is a huge thing. This is actually a really big thing for smaller governments. Um, a nice um, opportunity, I think, to begin dialogue with their auditors. This The onus really is on the auditor community to understand the attestation, to understand the tests, and to be able to conduct the attestation um, moving forward. Um, so, but eligibility really is on you to make sure when you see that, you see that eligibility, just make sure that you're aware of that so that you can begin that conversation. So I did want to share that with you. Very exciting stuff coming out of the Treasury right now. Now, here's some more non-exciting stuff, but it is continuing to happen. So um, it, this afternoon, this morning, or last night in um, the New York State GFOA, I, I got a couple of emails from Treasury, and what they were saying is they were very concerned that there was phishing attempts on, um, in particular, NEUs. Um, and the question really is, um, the phishing attempts um, are they specifically targeting just any use or is this a uh, rampant phishing attempt that occurs for any grant recipient in the federal government? And um, of course, Treasury is most concerned with the fact that, it, you know, really the phishing attempts and the cyber criminals are, are, are poaching off of the um, United States Treasury's website, these lists and the lists of, of eligible entities um, that are non-entitlement units of local government. And what they're doing is they're saying either your SIM registration is complete or it expires soon or your DUNS registration is out of date. They really kind of look into the compliance and reporting supplement and they pick out the keywords of things that you have to do. And you'll get, you know, I'm sure many of you have seen this. If you have, don't hesitate to send them my way and or report it to CISA. So making sure that they're aware of these phishing attempts just keep in the back of your mind, if you do see these, if you do see a big red click here or a big blue click here, remember, SAM.gov does not charge a fee for renewal. Um, so if it takes you to put in your credit card information from your MasterCard, that indeed is a phishing attempt. And what we're trying to do is nip that in the bud. It is way bigger than GFOA. It is way bigger than the United States Treasury. Um, and, you know, our next step, of course, of course, is to try to talk with Homeland Security to make sure that they're aware. Because from what I understand, speaking with um, the great folks at uh, New York State GFOA, 
This, this isn't our first rodeo here. It sounds like fishing attempts have been made for direct recipients of federal funds all over the map. Um, and this isn't new. Um, and thankfully, a lot of communities have uh, reinforced their infrastructure to make sure that people don't click on those links and instead are, um, are, are caught by spam or malware um, before they actually make an impression. But I, if, if you do have regular um, information, secure, <laughs> information security updates, this is something that is, is enormous. It's happening frequently, and they just got a hold of Treasury stuff now that April 30th is ahead of us. And so that's another new phishing attempt that you should be definitely aware of. We'll be putting that in our newsletter as well. All right, so the bipartisan infrastructure law, one other thing I wanted to make sure to note for you, the bill, as you know, uh, $539 billion um, that is slowly but surely coming out. Um, we put this in our newsletter last week and again this week in particular because it is a significant amount of federal funds that's available to both state Local governments and political subdivisions are eligible grant applicants in these categories. Now, what the um, what what the United States government did is they combined three large, massive grants with all new discretionary spending. So, so, so all competitive grants into one application. And I try to put that in red at the very bottom of the slide. Um, the MPDG's program actually mashes together those three programs that we're going to talk about in just a second. It is a single application for all three grants. So one single portal takes you in, your eligibility, your discussion about the project, all of the grant information is due into that one single portal. This is something that Secretary Buttigieg was especially excited about, streamlining the application process. But it is due relatively soon. May 23rd is the drop dead date for, for, for about $3 billion worth of money. So if you have a chance, poke into the, um, the, the Department of Transportation website grant funding, and I'll show you those resources in just a second. Um, but let me talk quickly about what they are, what is in the uh, MPDG project, which is the $3 billion discretionary grant program. First is the mega program. Now, the mega program is pretty notorious for being, obviously, I think it's pretty uh, um, intuitive. <laughs> mega means big, so huge. Those are the huge projects that generates national, regional, economic, mobility, or safety benefits. And they all are regarding transportation or transit um, or highway. Um, and so all of the eligibility falls into those categories. The first tranche that for 2022, uh, $1 billion will be made available. The next category is the infra grant, which is the nationally significant multimodal freight and highways project grant program. As you can see, it has specifically, um, uh, it, it, it is specifically eligible for multimodal freight and highway projects of national or regional significance. But the focus of course is improvement of the safety, efficiency and reliability of movement of freight and people and across rural and urban areas. So looking at rail, looking at passenger safety, looking at um, uh, 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 truck and highway um, uh, transit and workforce programs that support that are all a part of infra. And about 1.55 billion will be eligible in 2022. So exciting stuff that's um, even more, more um, uh, 
more more dollars available. But the one that kind of really speaks to my heart <laughs> and to that, I think of our, our smaller communities and our more rural communities is the rural service transportation grant program. They're finally acknowledging, of course, service transportation infrastructure in um, in rural areas. That is um, one of the dedicated parts of President Biden's vision here, but ensuring that the money goes to rural applicants. So if you are in a rural part of the country, this is certainly something that may be of interest to you, um, but I mean, in coordination with your state, of course, because surface transportation may be a state enterprise, um, but making sure that the application then benefits specific communities. Um, again, that partnership between states and locals is going to be a major part of eligibility for the rural program. So. $3 billion, it goes from very, 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 very big projects all the way down, slimming down to very, very, very small projects. Um, and again, the application is a single application. It's due by May 23rd, 2022. And you might say, hey, Emily, where do I find information about that? Um, of course, there's, uh, you can go to the White House. The White House has um, a significant guidebook, which is about, <laughs> It's about 600 pages. Isn't everything about 600 pages these days? It feels like it is. So um, 600 pages of what's in the infrastructure bill. And it really is a lot of alphabet soup, but it is um, a one-stop shop for all of the dollars and their allocation and their administration that's guiding the distribution of the proceeds. All of that's in um, the White House guidebook. Then second, of course, you can go directly to the Department of Transportation where they have the bipartisan infrastructure law in, written in there and specific application information inside of that. Now, if you might say, all right, Emily, I wanna get even more closer to home, go to gfoa.org. We are building out our IIJA implementation resources. Um, and uh, that is, um, you know what? I probably can put this in the chat. What the um, what the direct link is to that, but we also have it flagged on our front page. So we're working right now as we're just you know we're like a largemouth bass just sucking up stones on the bottom of the bed. We're trying to get as much information as we can. We're trying to make sure that information is um, put in an intuitive way for you and for our members so that you understand what you might be eligible for and what is available right now because the rapid clip of information is upon us um, and we're constantly getting new information from day to day about the IIJA. So I'm gonna stop sharing these slides um, and uh, I am uh, actually, my colleague Michelle and I are in the same room right now. Here, I'll give you a cameo. All right, well, as always, it's nice um, chatting with you guys. I have um, slides that I've built out. I'm just gonna go ahead and send them out to you. They're relatively big, but all the links are direct um, so that you can get into that uh, whenever you want to. It's the presentation I just made at New York GFOA. So um, thanks everybody as always, and I hope you have a lovely weekend and I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks everyone.